you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that we are a coaching organization. And we also host replenishing experiences. We also put out life-giving content like right here on Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. We also have the Right Side Up Journal, but we are an organization helping leaders to get healthy and reach sustainable impact. And we primarily do that through coaching. We have a lot of leadership coaching, but over the last two years, our sabbatical coaching has skyrocketed. We are walking or guiding a lot of leaders through their sabbatical as they plan for it, as they experience the joy and the challenge of it, and as they reorient and hopefully come back stronger from sabbatical. Now, we are also trying to change the Christian leadership focus from this posture of striving and hustling and white knuckling it, which doesn't end up very well down the road, to a culture or posture in your organization, in your life and leadership of abiding, abiding in Jesus, abiding from a different place leads to fruit coming from a different place, looking different and honestly being a whole lot more joyful in the meantime. We don't need to hear any more stories of leaders burning out or flaming out or having some egregious thing happen to or around them or in a ministry, nonprofit, business or church culture to believe that our leadership paradigms are off in the West, are jacked up. We are having all kinds of evidence of that. However, I'm encouraged. I'm seeing a lot of things that point in the right direction. And today's episode is going to point to one of those stories that we simply have to tell. Now, we believe around sabbatical that it is one of God's greatest gifts to us, just like a weekly sabbatical. But primarily, we see four gifts that sabbatical gives us. Number one is rest, simply for a leader to rest. Secondly, replenishment, sort of a sprouting of new things and replenishing and and not just sitting still, but actually pouring the cup back up so it can pour back out. Rest, replenishment. The third is maturity. It just matures a leader to be away from the regular day in, day out, to have some more margin so they can have some more creativity, some more perspective on their life and looking back. So rest, replenishment, maturity. But the last one is surprising. We actually see sabbatical being a great tool for leadership development. It develops the staff, if done well, if done in a healthy way, it develops the staff to get new opportunities to lead. The leader comes back with some new dreams or desires, and it gives space for them to be able to, to do that. Today's episode, I'm interviewing Jim Bergen and Jesse DeYoung of Flatirons Church, in Boulder, Colorado area. And this is a really interesting conversation. And we've never done this here before, but we're actually going to play off uh, an interview on another podcast, Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, episode 515. He interviewed Jesse and Jim. And I'll tell you guys, it is long, but it is worth listening to. It is real and it's raw. And they talk about what led to what I'm calling a reactive sabbatical. Jim was put on sabbatical by their elders after a series of unhealthy decisions and just an unhealthy culture at the church. And they talk about that fully in that episode. So I encourage you to go. It's in the show notes, but Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, episode 515. You can go get the full story. But here, we're really not focusing on that part of it. We're going to view that as kind of part one. This is part two where we actually want them to be honest and talk about that moment. But I want to talk about how we would do sabbatical differently. 
And we have to change the language around this. If we want to change the narrative of sabbatical, that is a beautiful gift from God, if navigated well in a healthy way with the intent of a leader returning stronger, not sending them away on sabbatical, not uh, as a punishment. This is not punitive. Sabbatical is a gift, just like Sabbath. And we are trying to change the narrative around that. In order to do that, we need to change our language. We don't get or take a sabbatical. We actually receive it. It's a gift from God administered by an organization, by leaders, by eldership, whoever it may be. And we want to move to a space where sabbatical is proactive. It's well-planned so that them and their family, the team and the organization, everybody wins. Everybody develops and matures. So we can see those four byproduct byproducts coming out of that of rest, replenishment, maturity, and leadership development. Call me crazy, but I believe it's possible. But I see those things each week. We talk to people and I coach people who are walking through a sabbatical, who have just walked through a sabbatical, or who are proactively planning for their sabbatical. If you're interested in sabbatical coaching, you can shoot us an email at hello at stayforth.com, H-E-L-L-O at S-T-A-Y-F-O-R-T-H.com. We love to give advice on this. We have a three-phase process of this. I'm going to talk just a little bit about that today, but I believe this real and even raw conversation about culture, about health, about sabbatical gone wrong, and about sabbatical shifting the culture of this church, Flatirons Church, here in Boulder County, Colorado. Enjoy this conversation with Jim Bergen and Jesse DeYoung. Jim and Jesse, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Alan. So good to be here. Yep. Man, I got to tell you guys, uh, actually, first of all, thanks. Thank you guys for your candor and your honesty on Carrie's episode. Thank you guys so much for that. Uh, Carrie, is, he's like a doctor, you know? He's just like, like he just pulls it out of you, and all of a sudden, you're just vomiting emotion and story, <laughs> and he's like, talk more about that. You it's know? unbelievable. So it's, it was, yeah. This really man good. has told was... me everything I ever did. Well, what just yeah. happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's he's brilliant. Um, and at that idea of pulling that story out, I loved how raw uh, that was. And again, if you heard this episode, um, we are not going to retell the whole episode. And we actually kind of wanted to camp out on that in jest. Uh, halfway through, I think you said, we should probably do an episode on how not to do a sabbatical. And I went, yes, we must do that. So if you guys don't like this, if this is bad, it's your fault. So that's what we're doing now is following that brilliant idea that you guys threw uh, our way. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Just give us a little okay. bit of an overview of what led to this reactive sabbatical that you went on, Jim. Yeah, well, I think that um, yeah, I'd like to put my finger on a moment and go, and that's why they put me on sabbatical, but it can't be reduced down to that. It was it was a trajectory that had been coming for a long time that uh, in the rearview mirror makes sense. But when you're in the middle of it, it's like I told Carrie is that you don't have time to think about it because you've got, you got the weekend coming, right? You've got to, you got to produce, 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 produce. So we'll get to it later. And then that just causes uh, uh, exhaustion, unhealth. And for me, uh, after a long stretch of rapid growth, 
um, it became my identity. So then when that changed, uh, and you can't put the finger on the reason why, because I, I don't think I was teaching different. I didn't think that this is different. And then that was changing and that was changing. It, it just didn't make sense, which means like it must be me. And then that question is identity and value. And my, with all my baggage, my response to that is um, throw the whole thing on your back and just press harder, which is even more exhausting. And then when that doesn't work, then you withdraw. And with me uh, in a panic, withdrawing from my staff, the world changing, culture changing, church world changing, it was, it was a long time coming. Um, there are some moments along there that were very explosive, but for the, for the, it was a, it was a trajectory of unhealth and um, toxicity. You know, when, when Paul talks about the body of Christ, this is this hand and this, whatever, if this gets infected, you know, you can ignore it for a while, but, but the toxins are going through the whole body and then you just get sick. And so that's looking back, that's what was happening. And uh, again, when you, when you run at the pace we run at as leaders, you don't have time to slow down and do an analysis or a check. You just have to wait until some like decisive moment, uh, which is what happened to me on Memorial Day, man. And, mm. and Alan, I would say that like with our staff, we were not really focusing on culture. We weren't being intentional with our culture. It was just something that in the early years, it just kind of grew up naturally and healthily. And then it started to overgrow and like when I look back on that season, we had um, a lead pastor who was struggling with some identity and confidence issues, who was tired, exhausted, feeling like he was carrying too much. We had a leadership team at the time that had changed structure. And so the team right now, we've got six people who make up our leadership team. At that time, there were only three. And so it was a, a pretty small team to do what needed to be done. We had a lot of new middle managers. And so people in mid-level management mm -hmm. And I would say, like, by and large, people pleasers, you know, trying to figure out, like, hey, how do I manage without being a people pleaser? And then uh, our uh, coach and therapist, Dr. Harv Powers, uh, he, taught, he talked to me about organizational adolescence That's and how good. people, when they start, like, two or three years into working at an organization for the first time in a career, just like an adolescent, the only way that they know how to establish their own identity is in opposition to their parents and differentiation that happens organizationally too. Mm. And we had, at the time we had 168 people on staff and I think probably, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 of them had been on our staff two or three years and going through this period of organizational adolescence where they're differentiating themselves from the organization. Yeah, wow. middle management that are people pleasers by nature, learning how to lead. You got a leadership team that wasn't structured to lead a growing organization and then a leader who feels like they're carrying the whole thing on their back. And it was just wow. this toxic cocktail that exploded on us. Yeah, yeah. I, I, would, I would keep with that parallel too. I think that's so good. Um, like I'm, I'm doing a lot of studies around uh, boys and manhood and initiation and biblical masculinity. That's, one, that's like one of my sweet spots. But the, the defining trait of an adolescent is I want all the privilege and none of the responsibility, right? Boom. I want to want to sleep with my girlfriend. I don't want to marry my girlfriend, right? So it's like, that's what was going on here. I want, I want power. I want the word. I want authority, but all the blame goes to Jim. But here's the other thing about Alan is that and I'm sure this is in business world too, but in church world, Hey, when, when the profit line, it, it keeps on booming, it masks a lot of sins. 
You know, people showing up, money's coming in, people getting baptized, and no one's really, really paying attention to the problems because it's still getting done. When, when, When the money flattens out or the attendance flattens out, then you look around and go, oh, no. Yeah. Right. And that's that's what that's what it was like up to that day. Yeah. You're not as good as you think you are when you have momentum, you know, like when you have momentum, it's just like everything's great. But when you don't have momentum, it's good. It reveals everything else. Wow. So much there. Yeah. When I'm running downhill, like I'm a great runner. And then I'm not, <laughs> you know, I'm running up a mountain here in Colorado. In it's good. Right? Oh man. So good. Organizational adolescence. And I'm picturing sort of like this gangly 15 year old that, you know, grew Hulk like, and then suddenly is still a 15 year old in that that's so good listeners. I don't want you to miss that. Uh, I think many times growth is, has created the problem and that with yeah. success mm-hmm. comes mm-hmm. options with options come disorientation and often um, you know, like COVID being the great revealer in many ways, yeah. there's this stop moment of, oh crap. And so you talked, you, you said the word sin there, Jim, I would also say just dysfunction underneath this, like literally not yeah. functioning well. That's a lot of what we do in the coaching space, man. We, we can, and probably will talk about that phrase, um, organizational adolescence a lot. I see a lot of churches in that space. I'm curious for you guys off the top of your head, what percentage of especially larger multi-staff churches may be in some of that same space that you guys were at. I'm just would love to hear off the top of your head. Um, I, I would think maybe like 20 to 25%. It's the ones that we grew so rapidly during that season and we were understaffed for so long. And then we just added staff left and right without minding the culture, without really trying to figure out, how does this person fit? We didn't even know, like, is this person going to fit or not on our staff? Let's just take a shot on them, tell them, hey, don't buy a house and we'll see how this thing works, you know? And we've tried to get better at that. We can talk about that later, but we've tried to get better at saying, like, we can identify people who will fit or who won't. And then there are some really large churches. Their staff have been around for a really long time. They're not going through organizational adolescence, but at the same time, they they might be struggling to make the changes they need to make mm-hmm. at, in a post-COVID world. I think one of the things, Alan, too, is that in in the pace we were going at and the unhealth, um, we weren't very good at, at calling out that doesn't feel right hmm. or there's something wrong there, um, especially up towards me or down towards me from the elders. It's just like, hey, don't mess with the formula. It's just going. And and so yeah. uh, when I, when you know to go back to that, like how not to put a leader on sabbatical <laughs> is. Um, that morning in this room, right, which I remodeled and repainted and <laughs> because I, I had like a little PTSD, but a couple of bad that memories in first, there. Yeah, that was the first time they read it off a piece of paper that I was unhealthy, that I was exhausted, that they were worried about me, that I needed rest. I needed to get uh, some other voices in my life. That was the first time. Now, the question comes up was because Jesse, Jesse sat me down one time. Uh, several months before this, and said, "Hey, that didn't feel right. That felt weird. I mean, he was—I mean, he was devastated because he knew I wasn't leading well. That's the closest thing I can have to somebody looking at me, going, are you okay? Right? But then, then the question comes up: Well, if somebody would have, you know, said, "Hey, are you okay? I'm worried about you. Would you have listened?" And I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I do know this: on that day. If I would have looked at, at, at the elders in the lead team and said, like, what are you talking about? 
I didn't say anything because I was couldn't breathe. They 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 could have pulled out. I think in business world a personnel file, right? And go like, hey, remember we talked about it on March, and then we talked about it in January, and then we we said, hey, this needs to change back here, right? There was nothing to point at. Mm-hmm. There there was nothing to point at. A conversation, a confrontation. It just, you know, we got a staff survey back, and it doesn't look well. And uh, and from my perspective telling me you took an anonymous staff survey and that put me on sabbatical did not land well with me, you know, mm-hmm. because there was no objective stuff. It, they were right. But like, I, I think that sabbatical, it felt punitive, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It felt like you're in trouble. You're in timeout. Yeah. You're going to sabbatical jail for the next six months. Don't talk to us. Don't contact with us, you know, get some help. You know, we're going to ship you and Robin off to this and we bought plane tickets and we're changing all your passwords. And I'm like, right? Yeah. Sabbaticals should be this reward, right? It should be yes. this Sabbath, a planned, <laughs> a plan. You know this because this is your world, right? This planned thing, I'm looking forward to one more year and I get X amount of time up just to go and be filled as opposed yes. to like, like I got time off. It feels like to go get chemo, you know? <laughs> oh, yay. That's going to be fun, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, and so like, I mean, you know what I mean by that, right? Yeah. Oh, like it's, so, it's so good. Even the words put you on sabbatical, like Jesse, I'm going to put you on Sabbath. You have to go to the mountains. You have to fly fish. Here's some amazing food. Just delight in God for the day. That's your punishment. Like it just doesn't even fit with the intention of. And so actually what's interesting is that's kind of messed with sabbatical coaching and our idea of sabbatical which is why people resist it, which is one reason I love that you guys are talking about it to say that it goes against the grain of, of why it exists and why it doesn't run parallel to Sabbath either. So I love that put on sabbatical. I don't even know how how you put somebody on with a gift, a great gift from God. I love, love, love what you're saying. Jesse, talk to me there. What, What else do you have on that? Yeah, I would just say that like, uh, for us, we've actually, we're trying to get people to take sabbaticals, give sabbaticals now. That's part of our rhythm because we didn't realize like we were running at too hard of a pace. We were not minding our culture. We were not minding our hearts, but it it's still taking us a couple people going on sabbatical, receiving a sabbatical, and then coming back healthier for us to realize like this is actually a really, really good thing. And and I, I would say just for any leader that's out there who's looking at their leader going, man, uh, they seem unhealthy. They really could use a sabbatical. There are some issues there. What I wish I would have had with Jim is like multiple moments where like, and this is our commitment right now. It's like, Jim, I will shake you by the shoulders and say, hey, you are you are unhealthy, whatever I need to say before there's this huge action of like, man, we're going to pull you out of the driver's seat for six months, right? Yeah, that's good. As on the receiving end of sabbatical, so we know church world and we know that churches are either no confrontation or you're fired, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Sabbatical historically has been a cowardly way of firing the guy. Mm, yeah. He just never, he just never, yeah. oh, he's just going on sabbatical. And then he, which he never we're lying. He's looking for we're jobs lying, right? at the time he, he only, and we put him there. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a lie. The only thing that kept me in the game is they kept on repeating one phrase so that you can come back. That's good. And that, that sometimes that was a lifeline. That was a, that's, that was a life preserver because I'm like, I, I never thought about leaving. I thought about how do I go back? 
Mm-hmm. But they kept on saying, yep. so you can come back, so you can come back, so you can come back. And they, would, and they would tell me, too, that when leadership was going to, like, like Jesse could tell this story. He's like, hey, we'll show, we'll show everybody. But Jim out of the picture, we're going to fix this thing in, you know, a week, right? And then they had this huge old moment, like, ah, oh, it's not all Jim, right? But mm-hmm. it's like, it's, um, it's, they, they, would, they would tell, the elders would tell the lead team, Jim's coming back. Jim's coming back. And there was, I think that there was some enough dishealth, unhealth, whatever the right word is there, the staff, some people were going like, I don't know if I want him to do. Yeah. And we'll show him that we don't need him. Yeah. And so the elders, they, they championed me well. All right. Uh, and they kept whispering in my ear, this is so that you can come back and finish well. And, good. and Alan, I would say that one of the benefits of that season and the sabbatical is like, there was a lot of pride and just us, we had pushed all blame and responsibility and issues upward. And when we finally, like, I remember when Jim wasn't in the room and the leadership team is sitting around the table, we're like, well, now that kind of all falls on us. Like, I don't know if I like the pressure in, in for a second, we felt right. a fraction of the pressure that Jim was feeling, which was really good for us in the future to know, yeah, like, right. this is what Jim's carrying. There's a level of empathy that went along with it, but also growth in our own leadership as Jim was out of the seat for that season we were really able to go like to, to start to own our roles in a different way, to own the issues in a different way. And, and it allowed us to grow in our leadership. And I do think that's why two years later, at least it feels healthier around staff. I mean, we're, we're taking that anonymous survey here again in another week. So we'll kind of see how things stack Yay. up. And, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so all that to say, like, we, it feels like we're healthier, but part of that is because during that season, a few of us on the leadership team really had to step up and step into ownership of our roles, which then lessened the pressure that was on Jim. Because before it was kind of like, if I don't like, if I don't know, or if it's a really hard conversation, well, Jim can have that conversation. Jim will have to make that hard decision where now I feel like most of our team, because of the sabbatical season, and they now have this ownership to go like, no, this is my, like, this is my hard decision to make. This is my hard conversation to make. And they're taking that on themselves. And so that has been one of the positive things that's actually gotten us to where we are today. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think if we were, if we were, if we, if we were writing a book on how to, how to put someone, put someone, give somebody a sabbatical. <laughs> see, I'm even using some language, right? <laughs> the, once, once it all landed. So like after I've been out here a month and everybody looked around and went, this thing is broken from top to bottom that the posture of both the elders and the lead team, I, I can't, it's all further I'll speak to, but became one of humility and learning. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like I, yeah, I was in counseling and then my same counselor, Harv Powers, great sabbatical coach. Uh, he, he, he counseled our elder team mm-hmm. and then he counseled our lead team. And then he counseled one-on-one with some of our key, key staff and everybody kind of came into that because I didn't even feel safe to be in a room with them for a while. Mm. And I'm sure they felt that towards me. All right. So, but that posture of humility of, Hey, we're, we want to work towards health, right? For elders. I don't know of another elder team in the country that I've been a part of that would say, yeah, we all need counseling. Yeah. That's, that's unheard of. It's good. But that was my team. Yeah. And I I would say Alan, that with a reactive sabbatical, this idea of there, you've got an unhealthy leader, what um, what our sabbatical coach did, I'm sure you guys do this too for situations like this, where it's 
it's rarely just the person. The issue rarely lies just with the heart of the person. There's definitely issues there. Jim would be the first to tell you like, man, there are some issues going on in his own heart during that season, but there were so many other issues organizationally when it came to just how we were functioning, the people around the table as well that contributed to it. And so the whole thing kind of had to be fixed from top to bottom. Yeah. The, the revelation uh, of sabbatical is beautiful that you're talking about. It gives us space from it. And feeling the weight of that is so helpful, so healthy for staff. I also believe that leadership development is the secret of sabbatical. Like literally, I believe that sabbatical can be the greatest linchpin of leadership development that we have. And it's mainly unused and underutilized when we prepare well. And so, Jim, our wording is with the intention to come back stronger. That's how we say sabbatical. And, that's, and so that's, if that is that takes all the fear out of the room. Mm. Yep. Right. And then focus. I faced it with fear. I was scared to death. And that's the idea is I want to be faithful to this season. What a cool gift. Oh, that's the intention. And and a healthy leader immediately goes, how do I steward this time so I can come back healthier? A next season of leadership, it allows you to retool, uh, re-up, mature. Maturing as a staff is feeling some of that weight of going like, oh, man, when when dad's gone, like, I got to do extra stuff, man, it turns out like he's not a terrible dad. Oh, gosh, it's hard being a dad. And so that to me, I just want to make sure listeners, you don't miss that point, is that it isn't just cool gift. That's great. We're all going to suffer back here. If the organization's going to mature, we have to have more than just five days where the leader's gone in that space. Can you speak to that on the culture side? You keep talking about culture, Jesse, which you know, I love. Um, How did the culture change as these things changed oh man that um huge question maybe even a whole other podcast but the, the short six hours the short go let's joe rogan this is, uh, <laughs> the, the short version is um i think what we realized when jim came back is that we had a subset of our people who were in varying degrees of do i want to follow jim as my leader or not and then jim was back for i think a month and a half and then we hit covid and so um with that, it just I didn't go to church for a year and a half. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Weekends are fun. Oh man. <laughs> Sorry, you probably added that out. And so nope. like so we so we've got COVID in um and it actually afforded us the ability. One of the things that Harv um, talked with us about is these stages of organizational doubt and essentially going from suspended doubt to operational doubt to philosophical doubt down to um I think there's one more, I can't remember before, uh, ethical doubt and then absolute doubt. And he said, depending on where somebody is in this like curve, the further down they are, the longer it's going to take, the more painful it's going to be for them to make the turn up into trusting the organization again. And at the same time, um, the further down they are in their doubt against the organization, the more tension they're feeling every single day that they're at work. And so I felt like part of part of what we did was we, during COVID, because of various factors and the church wasn't meeting at the time, we offered severance to our staff, to anybody. We kind of said, hey, we need to pull payroll into a certain amount because of where our budget is. And so we're going to offer a generous severance package to anybody who would want to take it. And um, we had 168 staff at the time. And during that time, it was, I think we were expected in like 15 or 20, and then we'd have to start doing some rounds of layoffs. And Alan, like 50 people took 
the voluntary severance. And so the like money and ran. And it it, it just wow. was yeah. it, it it was this thing for us to like that's when we realized that that was our lowest point to realize, man, we are so broken that a third of our staff is raising their hand saying, I would rather not work here. I'd rather be jobless than work here for you guys. And uh, one guy actually turned in his letter. We we had a meeting and said, turn in your letter sometime before this day. He like rushed down the offices and turned in his letter within like five minutes. And I'm like, you could have just waited and prayed about it for a second. But I think that was his answer to prayer. Who knows? And so that gave us the ability to allow people to have an, um, to have an off ramp that started to set set the tone. Jim, I would say the key is Jim led with a lot of humility, um, apologizing, learning, took a took a humble posture toward the staff. But then we went all in on staff values and really saying, who are we as a staff? This is probably the biggest thing is we we said, who are we as a staff? We've got seven staff values and these values we actually hire against them. We're evaluating candidates. We are, um, we teach on them in our monthly devos. It's, it's something where we do reviews amongst the values too. And we've actually over the last, so we've got a hundred and I think like 103 staff now. So we're still pretty light compared to where we were and we like it that way. But of those 103, only, I think at this point, 49 of our staff were still around during uh, our most unhealthy season right there before the voluntary severance. So We've, we've turned over about 70% of our staff. That's the cost of getting to the point of toxicity and unhealth is that so many of those people who were with us are no longer with us. And we're trying to make sure now at every level of the organization, people know what it looks like to be a part of Flatirons from a cultural perspective, but also from a strategic perspective as well. This is how we do things at Flatirons. And it's just allowed a lot of people, I mean, again, from the time of voluntary severance to where we are now, another 30 people have decided that they want to work at another church or not be a part of Flatirons. And the more clarity we've brought to our cultural values and to our strategy, the more it allows people to go like, man, that's where I want to run. I won't want to be with you, or I'd rather do something else. Yeah, you said it's one of our lowest moments. It led to the the, the what is now our greatest value. Yep. Right. If if that, I mean, there's some people that like they're which is what. Well, when 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 a lot of people said I'm leaving, then and we say that was our lowest moment. Like a, a third of our staff doesn't want to be here. That's but that was a catalyst for us going. Why? Let's look at deeper cultural mm-hmm. things are going on here. So that caused us to address those things. So our worst moment, and it was bad. Mm-hmm. So I, I came back in January, and that happened in late summer. Mm-hmm. That's that's when we started healing as a staff. Because it, it caused very, very, very uh, honest conversations on both sides. That's good. Like, well, I thought this. Well, I thought that. And now we're talking. Now we have a communication. And then, then, like Jesse said, we're trying to build a culture here of honor. We're we're talking, and we're honoring one another. We're not we're not you know crap talking. We're not we're not being you know uh, toxic. We're not talking. There's not meetings. We're self policing, saying we don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. We don't talk like that anymore. And that's you hear that you hear that you know that those conversations are taking place. It's like whoa, 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 we're not going to do that. You don't you don't get to say that about him. And before it was like the one who could say the worst thing kind of got championed around here almost for sure. Mm-hmm. And and I would say like in our culture, when it overgrew, people weren't 
confronting Jim. They weren't confronting up, but they also weren't confronting down as well. They weren't correcting the behavior of peers or people that work for them when it came to like, we're guys, we're, I don't even know if we're acting like we're Christians right now, let alone like pastors yeah. working in a church. Like, yeah, like this, this is, is not okay. Somebody needs to this say this is that. not okay. We've tried to like raise the level of accountability. And it's not just from Jim or the lead team. It really is the accountability where our entire staff is working to be better. And that's the other thing about cultural, like the shift in culture is I think our entire staff owns our culture and they own how we all contribute to it. There was a season before Jim's sabbatical where we really pointed fingers and it's like, well, Jim should fix it. It's Jim's fault. Where now, like we all look back and say, hey, we all contributed to us getting to that that place, whether it was by being actively sinning, passively sinning, or this idea of like, I, I could never do this, this judgmentalism that people on the other side can feel like those behaviors contributed to it, where now on a proactive side, I think our staff really is going like, hey, we are a part of owning the culture that we want to create. And we talk about that a lot. Did you guys add a value after that? Did I catch you saying that, Jim? Um, but we, we didn't even have staff values that we could articulate them. Now they're written in the hallway, oh, wow. you know, Okay. and honor is one of those. Yeah. Like honor is a big thing about That's how good. we treat one another, how we talk about one another. Yeah. I said this in one of the podcasts that I, I've done. If my daughter was on staff at Flatirons, I don't think she would have felt safe. Mm. I mean, the humor was in the toilet. I mean, mm. uh, and, and, and the women felt it, you know, and, yeah. uh, and anybody who didn't line up with my perceived hobbies, interests, politics, or whatever, were terrified of me. Right. And so everybody just played along or went underground. Mm. And because it, it just, it was, it was a horrible. Yeah. It, and I want to, I want to push back in on that honor idea. I love that in our culture we've divorced honor and honesty. And I don't think mm. you can honor someone without honesty. Those are parallel tracks. And right. when you said that phrase earlier, Jim, viscerally did something to me. Are you okay? That can be seen as an insult to somebody and a leader could react. That's one of the kindest questions. If it comes from the right posture, are you okay? That's, that's key. Are you okay? And the posture of course is key. We don't ask, are we okay? We ask what's wrong with you. There you go. Right? That's different. You're, you're looking at the same information. So like one of our key phrases around here is help me understand. Yeah, it's great. And I, I don't know if I got that from Stanley or where like that years ago, rather than what are you doing or why did you do that? It's like, help me understand. I, I do that at home with Robin, my wife, you know, it's like, okay, I'm sure there's a reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. Could you help me understand? And yeah. that, that's the, that's the honoring tone of, I'm going to assume that you're not an idiot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I, yeah, maybe I am. So can you help me understand? We had an agreement and didn't feel like you kept it. Maybe you did, or maybe I don't. Right. It's very, it makes, takes the defensiveness so, and the, and the, the attack away. Mm-hmm. And it's, heartbreaking in some sense that you would think at some point did why didn't people bring this up that's what i hear why didn't people bring this up in a way that i could have heard it and maybe that's hey let's let's go on a hike let's get away for a few hours but are you okay uh and many listeners right now like that's that's the question today it's like are are you okay and a lot of the answers are no I'm yeah. exhausted. Not not what are you doing wrong, but what's happening? I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I can't pull up. Some of you are having an emotional reaction as I say that because you know it's true. It, it's okay to not be okay. But if the culture, we've created that posture 
uh, starting from distrust, we've lost already. And so what I'm hearing is flipping it toward honor, toward trust. You're going to get different results in that conversation. And hopefully we can see these things proactively. Man, yeah, so, Alan, so much Alan, there. So here's an aha moment for sabbatical for me, all right? And this is what leaders, and I assume we've got a lot of leaders listening in, right? Leaders have to come to grips with there is a power differential that we don't want to admit exists. You're the boss. You're, you're, you're right. You're yep. the top of the pyramid. You're, you're the king. And you say, well, I'm just Jim. No, that's why when you walk down the hallway and say hi to somebody, they, 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 they fly on it for three days. If you walk down the hallway and, and, and you're thinking about something else and don't speak, they go in their office and cry. You say, well, that shouldn't be that way. I don't care. It just is. And so the idea that some, somebody in the organization is going to come into the principal's office, right. And ask if, are you okay? In an unhealthy leader, that's going to feel like a challenge. And now I got to prove to you I'm okay. And who do you think you are? Blah, 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 blah. Right. So um, here's a, you know, go back to the sabbatical being a, 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 a good, 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 good thing. I, I think it, I think it needs to be a regular thing. I think the staff needs to learn how to exist without Jim in the building. Right. And I think Jesus modeled it well. You know, he says, I'm, I'm going to go off to a quiet, distant place for a while just to be alone with my father. And the disciple says, well, there's so much to do. We got people to feed. There's the poor. And, and, and it sounds like a really, really, really harsh reply. Jesus goes, there will always be poor people. Yep. There will always be sick people. There will always be the hungry needs people. will always be I'm, there. Right. I'm going to the mountains, right, to be alone, okay? And so for me, I was telling, Jesse and we were talking about this earlier. It's like, you know, Jesus has had to leave for three years. <laughs> I, I got to do for 30, you know? So, right. and it, but if he needed to take weeks or months to go into a quiet place, what makes us think if we're going to lead long-term that we don't need to regularly schedule that in to go off and be alone and just look at those things? What are my identity factors? What have I got confused in my values? And, and like, 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 who am I? Right. And don't wait, don't wait. And like, don't wait until you're coughing up blood to go to the doctor. Right. It's like, man, I, I just want to get a checkup just to make sure that everything is okay. I think sabbatical has to be worked in as the regular routine of our life. Yeah. I think, I think it's in the 10 commandments right That's, so it's like you you've got to work in regular periods and the higher you go in leadership the lonelier it is and the fewer people there are that because if you you can't go ask it do you think i'm okay because then you're handing out bullets to get shot right <laughs> so you have to find people that will that you trust right but even then you've got to get away and, and, and get with an organization like yours or get with Harv or get with whatever and go like, hey, let me just, this is what's going in my life right now. And I have blind spots. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you see? Yeah, I, I really think, Alan, that if Jim would have had six to eight weeks before his forced reactive sabbatical, he would have been thinking about like, man, am I leading the way that I want to lead? You know, what are the, some of the things that we need to work on? Sure. But we didn't have, like, it was just like, on to the next thing, on to the next thing. You're yep. being reactive the entire way, everything that you do at work, where if he had time to pull back from that, he would have probably asked some different questions when he came back. And we could have avoided the six month reactive one because there was that time where he got himself into liminal space. I really do believe that happened, but we were running so fast. We said we didn't have time for it. And I mean, Alan, it costs us 
when you think about ministry momentum, when you think about impact on uh, staff families, when you, you think about staff unhealth to health, I mean, bro, it like it costs us three years. Like getting to that nuclear point costs us three years when it came to staff health, when it came to church momentum, all that stuff. And we're just, I mean, I feel like now we're starting to hit our stride again, but at the same time, like it set us back quite a bit. Oh yeah. The health, the, the level of, of dishealth, unhealth, what's the right term? I don't know. Lack of health before sabbatical. If, if we would have been that staff, if I would have been that leader, if we've been that church, I don't think we would have survived COVID. Mm. Right. And God's providence. He, he took us out, made us look at some stuff and then get back in here. Okay. And then COVID hits because I, I don't think, well, probably if I, if I was on sabbatical and COVID hit and I, I do, this is what I'm coming back to. It's like, no, thanks. Just give me a payout. Yeah. Right? I'm not going back right. to that. Right. Sure. But we were, we were back in the trenches and, yeah. and uh, it, it helped us. It really helped us. Got us yeah. Good. So good. Talking. And we have to change the narrative on that. Even in God's kindness, uh, yeah. I got to, I also had to receive this in the narrative. What I hear is not a bad leader. I hear is a tired leader, yeah. an exhausted leader. And I think we have to change the narrative. We quote unquote put, I mean, word shape worlds here. We put leaders on sabbatical who are bad leaders or leading poorly, as opposed to we're humans. We get tired, man, there's decision fatigue. And I think if we don't change that narrative, uh, I'm a big fan, Jim. That's my favorite is the regular. Every I've heard as little as three years. Five is becoming more common. Seven is very common. I'm a fan of three or five as often as you can to think about that. And then you're constantly developing. I know that I received two sabbaticals and uh, I knew they were coming. And both of them, I thought, no, nah, I think I could keep going longer. That's like the end of the school year. Because you know it's May 1st, you barely drag yourself through it. But in February... You just know you can make it till the end of May. And I just, I, I want to make sure that we talk about wording. We'll follow this up and the outro on that, the language around it. So important. I'm, I think we talked about this, Jesse. I'm anal about that receiving sabbatical right, versus right. taking a spot. Like we don't take Sabbath from God. It, mm, it's the it's gift good. is there under the tree. And right, I think what's cool right. about this conversation is because if a large staff can take it, then a small staff can take it. And a small staff's going, well, it's just me. That works for everybody. If a small staff uh, can take it, then a large staff can take it as well. There are different dynamics there. Um, and there's just so much. I love this story. We need to be working this out more. Maybe this is a hard thing to ask you to do. I think it is. We got two pastors and I'm going to ask you to be brief. So if you could in <laughs> a sentence, uh, maybe this is a miracle. In a sentence, I'd love to hear, start with you, Jesse, and then you, Jim. How are you different after that sabbatical season? In a sentence, how are you different after Jim's sabbatical season? My sentence is going to have a lot of commas, but uh, um, <laughs> it's, we have more staff ownership. We have more cultural intentionality. We're a place of more trust and more honor. And we have a leader who's leading out of uh, a place of abundance and not scarcity. Beautiful. Jim, what would you say? Wait, Jim, are you crying? There's a hug happening here. No, that, no. that's beautiful. No, it's that's not. beautiful. Should I put my hand on his leg or something yeah. like that? <laughs> I, I love um, that. Jim, what would you say? 
how am I different? Um, I would say I have more peace, more margin, and more hope and joy looking towards this stretch towards retirement, you know, and then within the next five, six years, right? I'm excited. Like I, 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 I didn't get, I, so that's my period, more peace, more margin, more hope and joy about the next season of ministry. That, that would be the period I had. I had to get counseling around guilt for having margin in my life. There it is. Right. Right. Uh, my elder said, when you come back, you're going to take six weeks off in a row in the summer and then another in the fall and another in the spring. And that's sabbatical. It's mm -hmm. built into my life now. Now here's how, here's how much confidence we have in our staff health. Okay. So Jesse is the next lead team person up for sabbatical. He's going to go on his break the same time I am. So your two top leaders, if you want to say that at Flatirons are going to be gone for an extended period of time. And our lead team and our campus pastors, they got it. And there's no way in that. heck that a few years ago, that was even in the realm of possibility, but mm -hmm. they, they're going to do great. That's great. Man, we could talk forever. We better not. Last question. Um, give some advice to the leader or the board considering receiving a sabbatical. Yeah, I, I would, I would say have this, have this discussion now because you choose to, as opposed to later, because now you have to, right? It's like build this in proactively going before you get worn out before you hit a wall, before the staff starts doing, before, before we hit a crisis and, 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 or it hits you, we want to make sure that, that you're healthy, prepared, you know, uh, have, have all those tools that you need. And rest is one of those tools that the leader needs. It's just the one he won't go get. So that's why I would say leaders over people in our positions is just like you have to make your kids take a nap. You know, whether they need it or not, it's like, hey, no, we build this in, right? So if Jesus needed a break, Jim needs one. So before he before he gets sick, before he gets tired, let's let's build in Sabbath to his life. So good. Jesse, what would you say? Yeah, I would say um, if you are, if you're looking at the leader who's unhealthy, um, before you go in there and point fingers and look at what's unhealthy about them, look at what's unhealthy about the situation. and get some perspective just to realize like people don't typically just get unhealthy on their own, but look all the way around because there are probably some contributing factors. And when you walk into that conversation, you can have the conversation about those contributing factors and the leader, but not, okay, it's the leader. And because of the leader, all these contributing factors. And then the other thing is I'd say like, get coaching, like it is worth the expense to get coaching and to get help. That's the thing that I wish we would have done. We got advice on the front end, but we never had coaching who could have some of these conversations before it'll happen. I would bring in a third party immediately to just start some of these conversations to figure out, okay, what are the next steps that we can take to have a healthy culture and a healthy leader and a healthy church? Man, so good. Guys, thank you so much. This story needs to be told. And too many times... We only hear the one in 100 or maybe the one in 20 uh, story of it going poorly. But to hear this 
guys, this represents so much work on the backside, all this culture talk and healthy talk. We may talk for three minutes and that represents 300% energy and effort you guys have put into this. So thank you guys for your honesty. Thank you guys for what you do. The story needs to be told. Great chatting with you guys. Thanks, Alan. So appreciate you, bro. Thanks so much. Wow. So much there in that conversation. And I just want to encourage you again to ask this question. Are you okay? Are you okay? And to be honest about that. Truth is, we're not all okay in all areas ever. There may be one area of your life lacking and you're saying, I'm I'm not okay in this area. Or I'd like to talk about this before this becomes a massive crash. We have to get leaders talking. That's what we do in leadership coaching is to get a leader talking about something before they have to, before the crash has come. We are not a hospital at Stay Forth. We want to be a health club where leaders continue to work out and stay healthy or a chiropractor where we need to adjust your alignment. If something's off, if there's pain in the system, we want to get you realigned and we want to get you healthy so that you can live and lead for the long haul. And don't forget, contact us if you're interested in sabbatical coaching. If you know someone who is about to head on sabbatical, investigating sabbatical, is already on sabbatical or is coming back from it, any of those phases, we would love to help help you proactively plan your sabbatical, experience it with grace, with goodness, with maturity, and reorient and even retool your leadership as you come back from sabbatical. With any questions around coaching, you can just shoot us an email at hello at stayforth.com. We'd be glad to give you free breakthrough session. That's hello, H-E-L-L-O, at stayforth, S-T-A-Y-F-O-R-T-H, Dot com. Friends, your leadership matters too much to lead alone and to lead unhealthy.